I spent the last 10 years teaching corporate America leadership and teamwork. Now, I've left my 9 to 5 job to help as many people as possible become leaders in their work and personal lives. Some say leaders are born, but I say they're built. This podcast is the beginning of my mission to create change on a massive scale. Join me and follow along as we explore leadership, teamwork, and growth together. My name is Brian Rollo, and this is Lead with Impact. Hello and welcome to Lead with Impact. I'm Brian and I am super happy to have you here with me today. I hope all is well with you and thanks so much for taking a little bit of your time and joining me on the podcast. And I'm happy to have you here and I'm also happy to be talking to today's guest. We'll be chatting with J.P. LeCur. JP is the co-founder of Brand Foundations, and they are a New York City-based branding and marketing agency. And they believe that the most successful businesses are built on a foundation of core values, messaging, and a strong internal culture. And you guys know I'm all about those things as well, especially the culture part. And so I'm looking forward to that conversation. JP is also the chairman of the New York City chapter of the organization Conscious Capitalism. He's a chairman of the board of directors there. And we've talked about Conscious Capitalism a little bit before. They believe that business can be a force for positive change in the world. And they look to make good things happen through business. So hoping to have that conversation as well. And JP also wrote a really famous LinkedIn article about mission statements, vision statements, value statements, and how he sees all those things differently and uses a different methodology. And that post went viral. Hopefully I'll talk to him a little bit about that as well and get the story behind that article. So a lot of things I want to talk to JP about. So let's get ready and jump right into it and meet J.P. LeCur. And we are excited to be joined by J.P. LeCur, the co-founder of Brand Foundations. Thank you so much for being with us, J.P. It's great to be here, Brian. I know you have a lot to talk about, but let's begin with you sort of telling us what you do and how you help people. Sure. So Brand Foundations is a, is a consulting firm. Uh, it's myself and my partner, uh, Steve Goodwin, who is down in Arlington, Virginia. And together, uh, we help uh, mid-market companies to get to greater clarity around their brand's story and make sure that it aligns with their culture. Um, and ultimately, we believe that that makes for stronger connections between an organization and all of its different stakeholders, whether those are employees uh, or customers um, or business partners or family members of employees, et cetera. We believe strongly that you know, every company needs to have that deep, deep um, emotional connection with those stakeholders in order to, to grow it. And that, that comes from the brand, but it also comes from the culture of the company together. Um, and then if we get that right, uh, these companies ultimately perform better. Uh, their employees uh, are happier and more productive. They stay longer. It's easier to recruit the best people into the organization. Uh, they sell more. They sell at a higher higher margins. Uh, they don't have to spend as much money on marketing because they get more word of mouth, so they're more efficient. 
And uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, they're worth more. And that when they are sold or acquired, they get a much higher multiple uh, on that exit than uh, than they would have otherwise. So, uh, and and the customers tend to be mid-sized, uh, generally a hundred to a thousand employees. And generally, the, the the key attribute is they're going through some big change event. Um, a lot of our work is driven by mergers and acquisitions, or um, very rapid growth, or they've been acquired by private equity. Uh, but there is some big change event that's typically taking place that is causing leadership to recognize that this, both their story, the brand, if you will, as well as their people and the culture uh, are going through some pretty big changes. And so that's when we can be uh, very effective in helping them uh, to get clarity around that and to make sure that those two are aligned. That's fantastic. Now, you and I met at the Culture Talk retreat slash conference that's recently. Right. And I was really blown away by your presentation and all of the things that you spoke about. And we both sort of do culture for a yep. living. And we've talked about culture a lot on this podcast, but we haven't talked so much about branding and especially the link between branding and culture. And a lot of people might think of those as two very different things, but you make a connection between the two. So can you talk about that a little bit? Sure, sure. Yeah. And, and, I'll give you a little bit of my backstory um, uh, because I think that's instructive too. I, I started my career in the telecommunications uh, space working at MCI, and um, which had a great culture as well as a great brand. Um, and that um, uh, after I left the industry, I started my own marketing communications agency and it was doing just very traditional branding and marketing work, websites, collateral, uh, logos, um, you know, it's every, sort of everything in the marketing communications spectrum. And I did that for about 10 years. I was in the industry for about 13 years and then I left and I ran my own agency for about 10 years. And then I got to, uh, 2012 and I was recognizing that marketing as a discipline was going through a lot of changes. It was becoming very transactional and, um, it, and I didn't really like that. I sort of live in the gray and everything that I, you know, when I would talk to CEOs about brand or marketing, it was all it was about, you know, how many clicks am I driving to the website? And the digital revolution has made that part of marketing very, very powerful, but it needs to be balanced with, uh, with, with brand. And I felt like a lot of people lost touch with brand. And so I actually hired a coach and I spent a year rethinking sort of the business and what I was doing with it and where I could take it. And, um, I, uh, in that course of that coaching year or <clears throat> year and a half, I, um, I looked back on my past career and the companies I'd worked at and past clients I'd had, and I recognized that the best of them all had two common attributes. They had a brand story that was much bigger than their uh, product or service, um, sort of like a Simon Sinek why. They were very attuned to the, to the bigger purpose or why of the business. And, um, and they also had a culture that backed it up. So for instance, at MCI, uh, when I worked there in the early 90s, um, you know, the story wasn't just about saving you two cents a minute on long distance uh, over AT&T. It was about breaking up a 100-year-old monopoly and freeing the market for innovation and changing the way we live and work and play with new technologies like the Internet. Um, and I was part of their first Internet marketing team there. So I was privileged to be able to, to have a front row seat to that in a very early time, like in 1994, 95. And uh, when the internet was just exploding. And so, um, and, and, the, and culturally that's what everybody bought into and was 
you know, was there to do every day. And that company, MCI, performed again and again and again and broke all sorts of records and, you know, really dismantled and really shook up the telecommunications industry. Um, and it was an incredibly fun and vibrant place to work. And so I saw firsthand how this link between brand and culture. And I also saw what happens when it goes south because that company was then acquired um, shortly, before I, or shortly after I left uh, by WorldCom which didn't have a great culture. And a lot of my friends and, and um, people that I knew who still worked there had to go through that period of time um, seeing that well, that great vibrant culture at MCI morph into what was then WorldCom and then the bankruptcy and then eventually Verizon, which is, you know, a behemoth and not a great culture either. And so, you know, that was um, that was sort of my introduction to this idea that, that brand and culture really should go together. And when I came out of that year of coaching, I decided that was where I wanted to point the practice. And so I sort of dropped the traditional marketing, a lot of the, the traditional marketing work around doing campaigns and logos and websites. And I said, you know what, that's not where I want to play. I want to, where I want to play is in these two areas of brand and, and, and culture and the, the brand story uh, more so than the design. What's the fundamental story we're telling here as an organization? And who are we as a people? And what do we stand for? And then how does that emerge from the culture? Because it has to come from the culture to be authentic. But it also has to feed back into the culture to help companies um, figure out how to how to live that brand, right? Uh, how, to, how do you hire the right people? How do you recruit the right people? Uh, how do you onboard them? How do you reward and recognize them? How does the brand and these these promises get backed up by 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 the way we actually live and operate internally? I think two really really important components of what you're talking about. One is authenticity, and the mm. other is alignment, and that. I'm not a marketing guy, so take this uh, <laughs> from an outsider's perspective. But you could come up with a great logo or come up with a great ad, but if it's not authentic to who you are and not aligned to who you really are, it's just not going to work as well. It's not going to be as if, as effective, and it is not going to attract the right kinds of people to you. Am I on the right track with that? Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, the, um, especially this generation of, of millennials and Gen X now, we're really dominating the workforce. They, um, they can smell when it's inauthentic and, um, and, and they know, uh, you know, you can't fool them, right? It's too transparent a marketplace with Glassdoor, with online reviews. You can't say one thing and act another way, um, for very long before it gets exposed. So absolutely they're, you know, leaders, I think, need to be much more conscious of the the authentic uh, character of the culture, so to speak. And they need to be aware of their brand and the promise and making sure that those two are aligned. Because if they're not, um, you know, bad things are going to happen. And, uh, and we see it time and time again with, uh, you know, all sorts of scandals, um, whether it's, you know, Wells Fargo, right? There's a great brand that stood for trust. And, and, uh, and then, you know, the culture internally was driving this, you know, level of growth that, you know, let's get, everybody should have eight products, right? You know, let's sell eight products to every customer. And, and that created a whole set of things that undermined that trust. Um, or, you know, Volkswagen, uh, you know, through, through, through its, uh, you know, uh, the emission scandals. And, you know, here's a, here's a brand that literally represents the name, literally means the people's car, right? And, you know, and, it, and it's, and it was, right. you know, just its goal was to then become, you know, the biggest automaker in the world. Um, and, and I think losing touch with that, 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 um, you know, that connection to, to what they were originally about. So yeah, it has to be authentic and lots of tools, as you know, like culture talk that where we met that, you know, allow, help you to get there. Right. Exactly. 
So can we go back and talk about your journey a little bit? So you sort of gave us the highlights, and mm-hmm. it's very, very interesting to hear that journey. Were there any struggles along the way? Yeah, definitely. You know, um, I mean, that whole period of time that I was operating as a more traditional marketing communications agency, um, I struggled with this, this uh, uh, you know, the change that, that marketing was going through, that everything was becoming digital and very black and white. And, um, and you know, the notion of what a brand is and what it's all about, I think, was getting lost. You know, if you think back to the like 1950s, right, Mad Men era, everything was about brand. You didn't have anything truly measurable. Um you know, despite, you know, efforts to, to, you know, try to measure TV audience and some of that stuff. But, but, you know, it was, it was about the emotional heartstrings of a brand and what they stood for and, um, and that whole sort of Mad Men era. And then, you know, as with the advent of digital, it kind of went the entire other way, um, to, uh, to, you know, all about the measurement and, and, you know, I think brands started to get lost a little bit in that, especially in the B2B space where, where we tend to play a lot. Cause I came out of the, the B2B technology space. That's where a lot of our customers are. Um, consumer brands tend to have more, you know, they're, they're more invested in brand. Right. Um, but on the B2B side, I think it's, it, it certainly, it, it fell by the wayside. And so that was always a frustration to me is how do you change that perception? And that's been part of what's driven driving me is to, is to help, um, is to help people rethink that and, and, and rethink the brand is more than just a logo and it's not just a tagline or an ad, right. Or some image or a spokesperson. It's, it's the underlying meaning and, and, um, and ultimately making tying that to culture because that's what will, I think gives brand more power and, and gives it more, um, uh, more authenticity as we talked about. But, uh, but more staying power too, you know, it's, it's one thing to just pump a lot of money into marketing and advertising and just spending, you know, tens of thousands of dollars every month on lead gen. But wouldn't you rather, um, have the brands and the culture behind it speak for itself and attract the right audiences and have them be loyal, passionate advocates for you and, you know, turn your, every employee into your best salespeople, right? Because they love the organization. And that's ultimately where the best firms, um, you know, perform. Uh, and so, yeah, so I had a lot of frustration with the way, uh, marketing was going and how transactional it was becoming and, um, and also in, in, in evolving the practice from one that was, you know, would do a lot of websites and campaign and collateral work to one that was very much focused on brand and culture. We had to walk away in a lot of cases from revenue. You know, we, we hand that off stuff off to partners, uh, because that's not really our focus. And so that was a, that was a tough thing to do. Uh, but in the long run served us really well. Had to have been a little scary. Hey, yeah, that would, that tra- your transition was a tough one. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I had a, you know, a new partner coming on and had to let go of a lot of the things that I was trying to do and move into, more, you know, take on different roles myself. And, and, and that was hard. And, you know, having, having the, you know, the benefit of having gone through some coaching helped, uh, in, in doing that. Absolutely. And somewhere along the way, I know you wrote a LinkedIn article that really ignited and took off. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So, um, about two years ago, as part of a content marketing effort, we were undertaking ourselves, uh, we decided we were going to do a little bit more regular, uh, blogging and, uh, there was an editorial calendar and I was my job every, uh, two weeks to flesh out a, a blog post that would be sort of the brand foundation's take on some topic. Um, and, uh, it was a Saturday morning. I opened up my, uh, my laptop and, and, uh, was going to work on something while I had a cup of coffee and the editorial 
uh, calendar said to write about mission, vision, values. And I thought to myself, this is a great topic because these are, you know, super important statements, um, and concepts for any organization, uh, certainly among the most important they can put in writing. They can affect everything from the culture and the brand to the behavior of the people. And, uh, and so I started to research, uh, like anybody would, uh, before they sat down to write about this, you know, what's the difference between mission and vision. And, uh, and what I found when I Googled that was about a hundred million different documents related to that topic, which was a, a sign that maybe this was a problem. <laughs> can I tell you JP real quick, just yeah. since I heard your presentation in many, many meetings that I've had with people, this sort of topic comes up because again, right. the work we do and I've asked every one of them. So a lot of people talk about mission and vision. Do you know the difference? And not one has explained to me the difference yet. And there's multiple, you know, different definitions of it and everybody has their own. And that's part of the problem, right? That that framework doesn't really, nobody knows. And it doesn't give you a, these are super important messages that every employee should feel connected to and, 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 and feel vested in and know how to tell a story around. And there is no framework to do that. They don't know how. And so, you know, that was part of the problem. I looked at that. I started finding things like, you know, Dilbert, you know, mission statement generators online. I started looking at great brands that I respected in the, in the mission statements that they had. And, and companies I knew had great cultures and great brands and their mission statements just, they were terrible. And, um, so, and then, you know, you look at core values and, and everybody has integrity as a core value, right? 99% of the fortune 500 have integrity as a core value or honesty. And, you know, we're in business, right? Business, the whole idea of business is that it's built on a transaction, a fair transaction of goods and services for, you know, and if you have to tell me you're not going to cheat me, then I, you know, it's kind of like, it's on a table tennis, right? What's your and best so, quality? We're not going to cheat you. That's, that's all right. I mean, it's like, isn't that kind of implied? And so I, I sort of, um, I looked at that and I said, there's no way in hell I'm writing another article about how to write a mission vision statement. You know, like it, it's done like that, that it has jumped the shark. Um, and so I sat and I thought about it and I said, you know, what's the problem here? This thing showed up in the 1960s, right? Um, uh, when it perfectly, perfectly captured the, the sentiment of a post-World War II generation, not so much today's millennial and Gen Z workforce, which is much more purpose oriented as opposed to, you know, having accomplished the mission of winning World War II, that kind of thing. Um, and, and, and for all the reasons we talked about, it just, you know, it gets abused, right? Everybody has, it doesn't differentiate because everybody's got the same thing. It's become this uh, watered down exercise and, um, and nobody knows how to tell a story around it. And so it doesn't get used and it becomes, it inspires more eye rolling than inspiration really in, 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 in employees today and just gets ignored. And that's a lost opportunity. And so I said, what, how could I improve upon this? And so I envisioned these, a different model, which was these three stages of a rocket. Um, so that you could tell a story first stage leading to second stage leading to the third stage. And they, and I called them purpose way and impact. And I looked at them and I said, purpose should be the first stage because it's really, you know, in a lot of founder led companies, there's a reason you start the business. Something's wrong in the world that you just can't accept. And, you know, I need to change that. I can't accept it. I can't change, accept that status quo. I have to change that. So I start a business to address that. And it gets the enterprise off the ground. It gets the initial people attracted. It gets it fire, people fired up and, you know, gets them motivated. And then as the business evolves, you, the second stage would be this sort of way statement. And that is, you know, what are going to be the one or two ways that are going to define us, that we're going to be known for as we go about pursuing that purpose? And then the third stage would be if I get into orbit and I've achieved my purpose rather than a vision statement, which tends to be very inwardly focused, uh, you know, we intend to be the best company at, you know, blah, 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 whatever. 
Um, this is about everybody else, right? I've gotten into orbit. I look down at the rest of the world. I've achieved my purpose. How's it made their lives better? So it's all about everybody else. And, you know, the example I used in that article um, was Southwest Airlines, just because it, I felt it was one that everybody would get. And you know, their purpose, if, if you look at the history of the company, was to democratize air travel. It was to, you know, allow your, it's their motto today, right? You see it in their ads. You're now free to fly about the country, right? Ding. And, and that's their purpose, right? And the way they go about doing it, they're an airline, so they're going to have a lot of core values. I guarantee you safety would be one of them, just like integrity would be. But that's not what defines them. It's not their way. Their way is defined by two things. One, very um, sort of tactical business uh, mechanical thing, which is low cost, right? We're going to keep costs down so everybody can afford to do that. We're not going to give you a bunch of peanuts and perks and other junk. And the other is something more human. We're going to use humor as a way to get through the difficulty of travel. Right. That's what they're known for. And that becomes their way. And, you know, then their impact, if they, you know, uh, in the statement that we came up for that, if they achieve that de- democratizing of air travel, making it more pleasant, you know, through humor, then uh, everybody gets to, you know, the world shrinks, people get to connect, relationships foster, people get to see their loved ones, right? Life's better. I mean, it's just, it's a very big and aspirational thing. But it became a, uh, a framework and a way to tell a simple story with those three stages. And, uh, and it really took off. You know, it's been read, shared like to about a hundred thousand times at this point, just on LinkedIn, and um, and really became the core of a, of a new model we use as an alternative uh, to doing mission, vision, and values. I wanted to ask you about that because if you are working with a company now and they say, JP, we really want you to help us with our mission statement, how do you approach that? So we will share with them the, the the what we call the PWI purpose, way, and impact framework, and say, you know, look, we have a um, we have a uh, you know an alternative approach here. Um, I generally don't do you know mission statements. We won't do a traditional mission, vision, and values framework anymore. Um, I just don't think it's effective, and so we'll steer them towards that. Um, we use the the PWI framework in a workshop around that with a leadership team as sort of a starting point in the conversation. We think of it as the the foundation of the foundation, if you will. Um, you know, our core engagements are to lay down this brand and culture narrative. Uh, we, that's why we call it brand foundation. We think it's the, it's the thing that you grow your culture off of and you grow your, your communications and your marketing off of. But PWI is really even the foundation of that. It's sort of getting the leadership team, uh, aligned around three simple statements that they believe reflect, the, um, uh, you know, the purpose that we're here to achieve that inspires people. Um, and the best uh, of the attributes of how we're going to go about doing that, right? What's our way? How, what's going to be our company way of doing that? And um, and then ultimately, what do, you know, what does that mean for everybody? Uh, what's the impact? And then if they like that, we'll often extend it into uh, the bigger uh, full brand culture engagement and use that that PWI foundation as a as a starting point. Um, but start to get insights from everybody else in the company um, through surveys and workshops and interviews and talk to customers and test these notions of their brand and their culture um, uh, with with customers and outsiders to see does it ring authentic and true to them as well and do they like the PWI does that does that resonate with them and so um, you know it's sort of a multi-stage process we can start with a workshop like that we can do a, a longer you know several month brand and culture engagement and then even on the back end we can obviously advise and help them think about how do we take this foundation that we've built now and infuse that into not only the marketing 
and, and campaigns and the website and all of those things. Um, but we can, we can support their agencies in doing that. We can bring resources to the table if they need people to do that. But also internally, we can take that foundation and we can help them think about how do we work it deeper into the culture? How do we take the language we have about this brand and culture now and infuse it into rewards and recognition programs or, you know, offer letters, you know, something simple like that or policy procedures, you know, how do you wordsmith these things so that the spirit and the character of the brand, um, and the culture comes through and it doesn't, you know, and, and everything kind of hangs together. It's so important, um, for it to feel like it's all contiguous, right? That what you hear from leadership is echoed by what you see employees doing, it's reflected in how the company communicates, what it says internally and externally. This stuff all has to come together, and that's the power of having a really strong foundation. It's that alignment part along, the with, the, along with the authenticity. It's genius. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have found in just my own work, as I told you, and I've had conversations with people, and they we talk about mission and vision. I said, forget that. Just tell me your purpose. And right. I I don't know why it is, but that word just sparks something in people because you can sort of see a little flicker in their eyes. And I, yeah. just, I think it's a genius way to approach it. There's, and, you know, we, we kind of root our approach to that in, in, the, in the concept of change, right? What is it that, you're, that you have to change and that you couldn't accept? And, you know, when you ask somebody, you know, what's your gr- greater purpose? It's a tough – some people have it. You know, they, 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 it's, it comes naturally. For others, it's difficult, and sometimes you have to flip it on its ear and kind of ask the, the inverse of that, which is, well, what pisses you off, really? Right? What's wrong with the world that you just, you know, could, couldn't accept anymore, and that that's why you went out and started the company, right? And my evolution, you know, of, of the Brand Foundations practice was very much rooted in that experience of, of you know, I was unhappy with the way people were thinking about brand and the way they looked at marketing, and that it was all about you know, purely the digital and the transactional mentality of it and that there people were losing touch with the, the deeper meaning behind brand and, and what it could do for uh, a company and its valuation. Um, and so that drove me crazy. And I had, and I, I set about to change that. Like I, it was enough for me to say, I'm not going to continue to operate this business the way I was doing it before. And I'll take the risk and I'll walk away from a lot of those projects to do what I think, you know, is my purpose. Right. And, um, and largely that's paid off. <laughs> so, but it's not an easy thing to do. You know, and a lot I, of ways to do it. I know something that is very important to you also that's part of your purpose is something called conscious capitalism. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure, sure. Um, so conscious capitalism is a, is a global movement. It was started by, um, in a book uh, that was written by John Mackey, the founder of Whole Foods, and Raj Sisodia, who is a professor at um, uh, uh, not Bryan College, he's a professor at um, Babson uh, up in Boston, and um, they are uh, they authored this book called Conscious Capitalism, which was basically rooted in the belief that capitalism is the greatest organizing force that humanity has ever seen. Uh, free market capitalism. It has over, you know, the last several hundred years pulled billions of people out of poverty, improved the lives of, of, of everyone. Um, and, and, and nothing else has had that in same kind of impact on, on humanity. Um, it has, however, also created some challenges and some problems. And it's largely been because of how it has evolved, um, largely to have a very single-minded focus on one stakeholder, which is the shareholder. Um, Milton Friedman's 
sort of paper in 1970, really, the idea that business should, you know, exist to support the shareholder, and that's its number one objective, and its only objective, really, um, I think became ultimately very damaging, and, and, and the authors of the book believe that as well. And, um, and so they wrote this book, and they outlined um, the idea that, look, business is going to, free inter market enterprise has to be how we, capitalism has to be how we ch- fix some of the world's biggest problems facing us. But it has to do it more consciously. It can't continue to, to create the problems it has in wealth disparity, in resource consumption, in all of the things that business has done. Um, it, has, it has improved everyone's lives, but it's also going to take us down a bad path if it doesn't change. And so conscious capitalism is the way you do that. And, and there's four tenets behind it. The first is that companies have to have a higher purpose. So I was obviously drawn to this uh, as a result of the work that I've done around purpose, um, something beyond making money and beyond just supporting that state, that sh- the shareholder. Um, the second is uh, that it has to have a conscious leadership, um, a very servant leadership mentality that the, that the people who lead the organization aren't here just to enrich themselves, but are to, to, to support the purpose, right? And, and they have to have a conscious culture. That's the third thing. That the culture has to be in alignment with that purpose and that the way we operate and behave and treat employees um, is, is in support of that purpose as well and that the, the leaders serve the, the, those who, who are in the culture. Um, as opposed to the other way around. And the fourth is that it, every organization has to have a multi-stakeholder perspective. It's You can't just look at the, the stockholder as the, the most important stakeholder. You have to consider the employees. You have to consider partners. You have to consider the public, family members, the environment, right, that we are, as business operators and owners impact multiple dimensions of society. And we have to work in concert with them. You know, it's like anything else. If you have a single-minded focus, you know, if you weight lift and all you focus on is your biceps, it's you're going to look ridiculous, and it's not going to last, right? You have to right. you have to work all the muscles, right? And it's the same thing with capitalism. And so, um, I was very much drawn to the movement. I believe in it. I believe that that the capitalism is, you know, we live in an era right now of tremendous distrust of institutions, including business. Um, but certainly the media and higher education and government, right? And so, but yet we have some big problems to solve and, and, and capitalism is going to be part of the answer, but it needs to change. Um, and, um, I was drawn enough to it that I joined the board of the chapter in New York city and I now chair that chapter, um, this year. So, uh, try to do a lot of events and spread the word, uh, about conscious capitalism and, and expose mid-market leaders to the concepts and the hope that they'll embrace them. What's the reception like when you go out and talk to business about this? Uh, you know, I think a lot of leaders get it. They, they intuitively know, you're right, we have to, we have, to have a, a deeper focus. Um, there are always a few that will say, ah, you know, I disagree. I think, you know, businesses, they should focus on the shareholder and that's it and the market will take care of everything else. Um, and you know, you're not going to change everybody's opinion, but I think that generationally we are reaching a point where we have enough of a younger generation in the workforce now, you know, Gen X and, 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 or I'm sorry, uh, the millennials and Gen Z are going to be like 80% of the workforce, um, uh, you know, in the next five years or something like that. And they have such a bigger vested interest in what happens with our, uh, our economy and our, and our, uh, you know, climate and everything else that, um, I think they're driving the change. And as they get into more leadership positions, um, you know, they're, they're carrying, I think that those concerns and those fears with them and they're gonna, they're gonna change. So I think it's inevitable. Uh, it's an interesting time to be involved in this movement 
because I think it really is just now starting to get traction and you're seeing it with the growth of, you know, B Corps and, and all sorts of, you know, social, social ventures and social enterprise and capital raising or, you know, specific to those areas. So, um, I'm optimistic that it's, that it's, it will carry the day. Um, uh, but you know, you definitely get the sense of the clock sticking and, and, uh, there are not everyone's going to buy into it, but, but I think the vast majority of people will. Well, I think it's so important because I agree wholeheartedly about the sole focus on the shareholder and the danger of that philosophy. Because if that is your sole and almost only purpose, then anything becomes fair game to get the dollar. Right. Yeah. Anything, Very is, yeah. Yeah, anything is fair game to have the next quarter's results be better than the last quarter's. And think about how inefficient that is for businesses. You know, so many public businesses just they can't do any long term planning. They can't make the hard sacrifices they have to do, you know, in order to pivot. Um, and you know, my my I grew up. My dad was a marine, uh, fought in Vietnam. He was an officer. It was early on, but I grew up, you know, sort of with that idea of. And he shared it, and he was a great business leader as well. And he he took a lot of those Marine Corps sort of principles. And the, the 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 biggest was this notion of improvise, adapt, and overcome. And we have to um, businesses have to um, they have to change, they have to evolve, they have to be agile, right? Everybody wants to be agile, and that's it's it's finding ways to let go of the way things were done and find new ways to do stuff. And we have to do that if we're going to survive. And, and when you're a public company and you have this really short term focus, it's just so incredibly hard to do that. And, uh, and that's unfortunate. And that, that, that's part of the reason there's that short-term focus. I think it's, it's invest, whether it's your public or not, if you have investors that are looking things on a quarter by quarter basis, it just becomes really, really difficult uh, to do the long-term planning and thinking that you need to do to, to be nimble and to, and to adjust and to improvise and adapt and overcome the challenges that we're going to face. And interesting story. I think I mentioned to you before we started recording that I spoke recently to a gentleman named Adam Hudson, who runs a company out of, out of Australia and has mm-hmm. done a lot of nonprofit work and decided to take part of his company's money and use it to give loans to entrepreneurs in third world countries and fund eye surgery for mm-hmm. blind people in third world countries. And ironically, once he did this and he sort of just said to the world, hey, just so you know, I'm taking some of the money you give me when you do business with me, and I'm doing this with it. Not only did he help tens of thousands of people, but business got better because people could see his purpose. And to go back to purpose, doing business with them felt like a purpose. And no short-term shareholder probably would have approved that as a wise use of funds, right. but it turned out to work for everybody involved. So I think that's just one another aspect to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, 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 it's seeing the possibilities and having the, you know, the courage to, to go after them and do, do, do things that not, not everybody else does. Uh, it's one of the keys I think I've taken away from businesses, you know, you, and I wish I did, I took more risks. Um, uh, I think you have to, but you know, it's tough. You're, you're running a business, you're trying to support a family, right? You want to sure. you have a certain kind of income. And, and, uh, and this is really where that notion of purpose, like what am I really all about is so key. And, uh, and to have that self-awareness of, of what is it that I'm, why am I here? Yeah, what, what, and what do I want to, what do I want to be remembered for? Uh, they're hard things to, to, to put front and center, but the, the sooner you get to it. And, I, and that's another thing I wish I had done that a lot earlier in my life is, is thought about the, you know, that purpose and, and found, you know, 
found that earlier on. Um, certainly something I want to share with my kids as they grow up. Well, I'm glad you said that because I always try to ask the question, what would you have done differently or what message would you send to yourself Yeah. in the past? Was that it? Find your purpose earlier? Yeah, I think you really, you know, and it's hard when you're young, right? You're 18, you're 19, like, what's my purpose? Well, I want to go out and get a job and a family and a nice car and beach vacations. You know, it's like, but I think that the sooner, you know, like I wish I had seen the Simon Sinek TED Talk and the Start With Why or <laughs> right. something along those lines or because or that they should teach some of the stuff that I went through in coaching, I think should be something kids get in college, you know, and I think this generation coming up is, is, is more attuned to these things because the problems in the world are bigger. You know, I kind of grew up, I got out of college in 1990 and, you know, grew up in the eighties and I think it was all about money, right? It was the me generation. It was all about making money. And so I certainly got out and I just figured I'm going to go make money. And the reality was that, you know, wasn't probably the most important thing. And, and, and I'm not, I'm not somebody who's ever been motivated purely by money. So, so, um, you know, I, that was misguided, but I wish I, you know, if I'd had that conversation or that kind of coaching or that, that, uh, uh, you know, that, that sense of like, think about purpose and what it is that you want to change. Maybe the world just what didn't have enough problems at the point, at that point to, you know, to make you, to make, to steer me in that direction. But I think, uh, this current generation certainly is getting there a little sooner. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's what I would do. And I would have tried to have that conversation about finding my purpose and then be willing to take risks. And have faith that things are always going to work out. You know, in the end, they 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 work out. And so you can't operate from fear. You got to operate from from optimism and hope. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. How can people find you online, JP? So they can uh, go to brandfoundations.us. So again, brandfoundations with an S at the end. Us, and um, they can hit us there, and obviously find me on uh, on LinkedIn as well. But uh, but the website's probably the easiest easiest way of all. We will throw both those links in the show notes. Awesome. And one final question. What does the future hold for JP? Interesting. Well, um, I am going to continue to build the uh, brand foundations practice in a way that I think goes even deeper on the culture side. Um, I really want to uh, see the work that we do around building these foundations of brand and, and, and culture narrative turn into real operational changes in companies. And so we're, uh, we're, we're looking to build out that capability and to partner with the right people and bring the right resources to the table so that, uh, we can stay engaged with our clients and we can really see them take these ideas and, and put them to practice, you know? Um, and that's, I think, because A, it's where we can have impact, uh, it makes more business sense, and it certainly will differentiate us from you know, traditional uh, sort of brand agencies where we already feel a little bit different anyway because we do this much deeper cultural dive uh, as part of that work. But, but to stay around and really help in that cultural transition and, and, and keeping them true to that I think will, will, will be the key. And um, you know, again, that's, a, that's an evolving and learning part of our business because uh, both my partner and Steve and I, are, are, we don't come from an OD background you know, like you. We're, we're brand guys. And so we've been over the years building our, building our chops and our experience in that. Um, but we're going to need partners and resources to do it. And so uh, that's where I, I really think is the focus for us. Um, well, I look forward to seeing all that happen, and I just want to acknowledge you for taking the time and for the phenomenal work that you and Brand Foundations are doing, because you guys are making a difference, and I appreciate you getting that message out there and taking some time to share your wisdom with us. Absolutely, Brian. I appreciate it and feel uh, the same about your work as well. So uh, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity.
hope you enjoyed this episode of Lead with Impact. If so, if you could find us on your favorite podcast platform and like, subscribe, rate, review, download, any of those things would be greatly appreciated. In the meantime, thank you for being with me. Go out, have a great day, lead with impact, and I will talk to you soon.